0: available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Kearns.
1: Welcome, listeners, to the podcast again with our favorite recurring guest, Andrew McNaughton at his Southern California Studios. And
2: Brad Kearns. Are are you a always guest?
1: I think my I'm record the recorded greeting says here's your host Brad Kearns. So oh, I okay. can I can, uh, you, can refrain. Your, you can skip your name. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's um, like
2: this is the the uh, Endurance Hour with Brad Kearns, you don't need to actually say, exactly. hi, I'm Brad Kearns.
1: Right, right. It's, it's repetitive. We don't <laughs> want to do that. We want to move on with the show. The Tonight um, Show with Jimmy Fallon. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fallon. Thanks. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> uh, so Andrew and I, when we get together, we start rapping about all kinds of interesting topics because we are so interesting. Things um, we've done, things we wish we'd done, things we wish we hadn't done. Right, and a lot of time the mic's not on. And I said this time we were talking about an interesting topic, and I said let's flip the mic on and start start getting into it. And I think um, it's something that everyone can relate to about the big transitions in life when you're into an all-consuming, uh, let's say in our case our athletic careers, where we went for about a decade and we lived and breathed this sport of triathlon and the competitive aspirations and the the focus on the training, but Tech if you're uh, and,
2: and loved it, by the way, loved it right. until until the wind down
1: period. <laughs> and you know, making that transition to the next step is difficult. It might be a mother who's raising kids until all of a sudden one day they leave for college, and then you have an empty nest, or someone who's retired from a long career. Uh, They're a a state worker for 30 years, and they get to retire at a relatively young age and have the whole life in front of them. But sometimes you have a hard time getting into your groove or adjusting your mindset or whatever it is. Um, And a lot of athletes have very publicly acknowledged that they struggle in retirement because nothing will top the intensity of that competitive experience when thousands of people, millions of people are watching you perform, and now all of a sudden you're delivering mail or, uh, you know, running a restaurant chain or selling cars, it's just not quite the same high in that sense.
2: Yeah, it's not the same level of excitement or love. Uh, That's the trick, is developing that level of love. I know for me, when I quit, um, I missed the excitement of the unknown. Uh, Racing for me was... Uh, you know, it's, we're racing for anyone's about preparation and then choices and execution on the race day, right? You're, you're given a bunch of decisions to make, um, continuously during the race. And it's about making the best decisions with the information you have at that moment and not really laboring over any one decision, but moving forward continually and continuing to make the best decisions that you can with the information you have in that specific moment and moving on. I missed that. I really missed that. And so for about, six years um, after, well, I guess I, I guess I fiddled around for about 18 months, and then I started a, an improv group um, because with improv, I was on stage and nothing's rehearsed, as you know, with improv. This is c- comedy improvisation. And um, yeah, you just get up on stage and you get some suggestions from the audience and you have no idea what's going to come out of your mouth or your body and you just go to. Um, and it was it was necessary and it was a lot of fun and it was it brought fun and playback into my life which was uh sorely missing after the last couple of years of racing i wasn't doing as well and so it wasn't it wasn't anywhere near as fun i was struggling i was i wasn't waking up excited to do it i was waking up thinking oh god today i've got to do this you know and um when it started i remember the first 3 or 4 years i i woke up every morning and i was like i can't believe how lucky i am to be doing this, something that I love so much, and to be good at it. And uh, when I stopped competing, I had this huge huge hole, and I, I found improv to work for me. What, what, what did you do specifically or anything, Brad, to, to
1: fill that void for you? Oh, I thought you were going to ask the listeners. And please write in with oh. your hobbies and passions and interests. Um, well, one thing that um, comes to mind uh, when you were talking about the transition out of uh, your triathlon career similar to mine, is we started getting slapped around. And so we drifted out or were squeezed out in a very um, a brutal process of realizing that there was no unfinished business left because it was time to go because we weren't competing at the level we wanted. And I feel like that was tough at the time, but I feel like that was a gift and it was probably easier to move on than someone who um, has, let's say, uh, has to move on when they still have unfinished business or they still feel like they, they could keep going.
2: I, I'd have to agree with that. I have friends that are ex-CEOs and now they're retired and they're not on the board of directors or anything of any, anymore and they sit around twiddling their thumbs. You know, they used to feel like they were important and valuable to the world and, and uh, now they're just sitting there, you know, and it's like well, you've, got to, you've got to find something else to do. Otherwise, you're just waiting to die. Right. And whether you're 30 in my case or 75 in someone else who's retiring or anywhere in between. um, And I would imagine it's something similar if you're a parent and your kids are leaving the house and all of a sudden you have an empty, quiet house all the time. And you sort of have to look at yourself and your spouse or just look at yourself if you're alone and and figure out what's next. How do I fill this void and how do I bring back the excitement that I once had doing whatever that was? I mean, I uh you know for me like i said it was it was competition and i found that i found that release and that same sort of excitement of the unknown and improvisation
1: yeah i think when you get too caught up in the attachment of your self-esteem to the results of what you're doing or making that your identity that's when you struggle so backing up to the the important thing that you were doing, such as being a parent. And today, I'm a parent of two teenagers. And what we see in modern culture is this is the age of helicopter parenting, where the parents are so totally obsessed and um, kind of living their life through their kids. And and what what happens to their kids is um, you know determines their happiness or or sadness and all those kind of silly stuff. Um, that makes that. Parting of the ways when the kid goes off to college, especially traumatic, because now it's like you know, wow, the the life's been sucked out of me. What's my purpose of my existence? Same with the athlete who was too caught up um, in that significance of their ranking or their position on the team or the accolades that they got from you know general society in the terms of the big sport athletes. So um, taking taking us back to the other podcast with Simon Whitfield and him relating the importance of having that process-oriented mindset and that perspective at all times to realize that it's something we're doing it's not who we are and that I believe makes it easier to transition on to the next thing so if you were in improv and you were you were trying to make the top 10 otherwise you were going to be cut and weren't allowed to come back next week um, it might have brought these unhealthy elements into the picture rather than just being free and being
2: expressive well, the, the improv was good for me because, yeah, there were there were no rules and no boundaries and, and no judgment, no expectations. It was just play. And when you first start it, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And as you get better and better at it, it just it works more often than not. But it still sometimes just doesn't work. And that's part of the fun. You know, it's like, well, how can we make this work? And I don't know what my scene partners are going to do and I don't know what I'm going to do until I actually do it. Um, but it's a its really good lesson because it's a good life lesson because it's about listening and reacting. And improv is a yes and exercise mostly. And that's pretty much what life should be. The more you say no in life, the worse off you are. You know, now obviously there's, you know, you can say no to a lot of things that you should definitely say no to. But um, in general, life is a, is a yes and it's a building it's 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 what can I learn from this and and, and going forward and that was one of the wonderful things about the improv is that that really ingrains it into you you know Um, if somebody state makes a statement in improv that's the fact and you move forward right. Uh, real life isn't quite so much like that. We have to still distill what everybody says and, and wonder if it is true or not. And if you care enough to do research and find out if it is true, then that's one thing. Or if it's someone trusted source or a friend, then you carry on. If it's about a life experience, then there's no real way to check it. So you just sort of roll with it. Um, but uh, in improv, it was, it was just fact. You know, If someone says that I was seven feet two on the stage, then from that point forward in the scene, I was seven feet two. And it was kind of fun.
1: Yeah. So you lighting up, talking about your improv, it, it, it occurs to me that, you know, the secret is you got to you gotta keep finding new passions and keep that fresh. And I think the struggle comes when we're so immersed, let's say, in that athletic role or the role of the, uh, the mother or the parent that's really all the way into it. And then all of a sudden it's severed and you haven't developed other areas of interest, um, then you're going to struggle for a while. But really, Um, At the tip of our fingertips is so much opportunity to get into a certain subject like never before with all the information and education around. So um, there's always something out there, especially for people who, let's say, are competitive, like Simon Whitfield was detailing his stand-up paddling and his yoga, which are not competitive events. They're not being scored, but uh, they're challenging in that same way that trying to win a gold medal is.
2: The, the challenging self is what's important, not necessarily uh, matching up to other people. And when I do coaching, that's one of the things I say. Um, one of my favorite expressions is don't uh, measure yourself with anyone else because that sets you up for disappointment or failure because they're either way too good for you or nowhere near good enough for you. So what's the point? Just focus on your own improvement and keep moving forward. Um, there are no setbacks because there's a lesson from everything. And yeah, you just, you just keep learning. I know in my life after triathlon, I had, uh, I did, I did uh, computer business and, and that was during the beginning of the internet and it was intoxicating. There was so much to learn every week. There was new stuff and I really had fun and I would get up in the morning and I would check my email at seven and next thing I knew it was four in the afternoon and I hadn't had breakfast yet because there was just so many interesting things going on and I would get an email about, can you do this? And I'm like, yeah, I think I could do that. Let's see if I can figure it out, you know? And, um, that was wonderful. And then as it sort of in 98, and 99, it sort of started to taper off and things weren't changing as quickly as they were in, you know, 94, five, six, and seven. And I started to lose interest. It be- became, it started to become repetitive, which is sort of ironic because triathlon is all about repetition. And I love that. But in this, I didn't. And, um, so I phased that out and I went into video production and that was the same thing. There was so much to learn about the shoot about editing, about, um, all the things involved, the sound, the lighting, the, you know, the framing, the, you know, working through the editing, getting the colors to match from different cameras. And, and, uh, it was absolutely wonderful again for, you know, four or five years until, um, the learning curve slowed down and all of a sudden it was just sort of more repetition, you know, it's like, okay, I think that I, I think I saved this as a, you know, as a, um, an automated task. So I don't really have to do that much. I can just, you know, set it up to, you know, as an automated task and and not really think about it. And then I sort of phased that out again because it was losing interest. And I got pulled back into the, the endurance sport world and coaching. And, um, so many things had changed and I had changed so much and there was more to learn again. And, um, you know, the fitness world became interesting again. And I'm having fun uh, teaching and learning. And every person presents their own puzzle, and and I'm a puzzle person. You know, I like to I like to solve these puzzles. Like I said, when I was a competitor, um, I didn't want any help. I wanted to figure out the puzzle myself. And uh, um, I had very limited input. I had, you know, I talked to you, to Brad a lot, talked to you a lot about what we did, but not too many other people. You know, and I didn't want to give up anything that I was doing because I always thought that I was good because of my training. I didn't realize that I was good in spite of my training or maybe, uh, you know, partly because of it. Obviously, it got me in shape. But I think a lot of it was I was just good at those sports, you know. And um, and now I'm doing the same thing. I'm learning. Um, I'm, not, I'm not working with any professionals currently, but I'm working with a bunch of age groupers and I learn from everybody because everybody has a different perspective. And, and any time that I can get my point across to a different person um, it's always a challenge because people you know understand things a little differently and have their own uh, background and information and and experiences and matching up my words so that it works with their experiences is part of the challenge which makes it interesting you know to me and I'm I learn a little bit from everybody Um, hopefully I'm teaching them as much as I'm learning maybe more but at least as much I hope and uh, it's right now it seems to be a
1: lot of fun for me and it puts a smile on my face just talking about it. <laughs> well, you're relating these uh, different pursuits over the years and they're not necessarily that related either. Um, and it occurs to me that there's really no set rules here like there used to be in the old days. In the old days you went to college, you picked a major and that was where you were going to work in for the duration of your 30, 40 year career. And all that stuff's been blown up now with the ability to access information so easily and change gears so easily, and also the economy and the job opportunities being unlike they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So um, I think, you know, possibly previously it was frowned upon to be. Uh, a, a, a dilettante where you, you know, engaged all these different things and never um, never locked into your, your best and highest skills. You know, let's take the career analysis test and fill in the blanks and then they'll tell you um, what you should become in life. I remember doing that in high school. What a joke. Yeah, it's,
2: uh, it's a different world now than it was for our parents. Um, you know, our parents believed that they would work hard at a job and save up a lot of money and then have a good retirement. And, um, you know, Social Security has been spent by a war in the Middle East. And, um, was that true? Uh, Yeah, I think so. And um, so, you know, counting on anyone other than yourself for your retirement is extremely risky. And, uh, And believing that you can work really, really hard for 30, 40, 50 years and then enjoy your life seems ridiculous to us, or at least to me. Um, I want to enjoy my life every day I don't want to wait 40 50 years before I enjoy my life and so I've always done things I've always been fortunate enough to do things that I really loved to do at the time and when I when the love faded I just sort of evolved into what was next and there was never really any thought or planning this is just what was next and it, it just sort of happened um same thing where I am now it's it's I was back in California I was living in New Mexico at the time and I was back in California for a wedding and I bumped into someone who was starting up a triathlon team and they needed a, a coach and um, I was like, yeah okay, that sounds like fun I'll do that for a bit you know and uh, here I am five years later um, still doing it so yeah it's and still enjoying it and a byproduct is is at 53 I'm in uh, ridiculously good shape for most (laughs) 53-year-olds, you know. Um, Obviously, in my 20s, I was in better shape, but um, in my 40s, I was in worse shape, so, you know.
1: Uh, So instead of the old-time linear career path where you climbed and climbed and climbed, if you're in a corporate setting and uh, continued to get promoted and become more important and all that, now what we have here is it seems like, oh, here's a... Here's a short duration career. Here's a break to go get retrained or rekindle a passion in another direction. Um, here's a mini retirement as Tim Ferriss talks about where you know, rather than waiting and accumulating this money uh, till you reach a certain age when you may not have your health and your energy level uh, sufficient to enjoy the heck out of whatever you want to do. So go on a six month uh, stand up paddling excursion uh, right now and you know, reframe all these old notions that are still buried in ourselves thinking that any, a lot of people I believe think that any departure from a linear career path is a disastrous mistake that's going to set you back but no, in fact
2: it's, it's irresponsible and, right and, right and you're going to miss out on opportunities yeah you know?
1: and every day we turn in the paper and see these guys that got a startup going uh, in 2000 way back in 2011 they started blah 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 mm. and all of a sudden they're you know fabulously wealthy I'm um, just for one example that's not relevant to a lot of people but what is relevant is being able to retrain and recalibrate yourself at all times with the uh, with the opportunities that abound right now to do that, and
2: and something that gives you joy, something that you know you're excited to wake up every morning to do, is a is a huge is a huge bonus. And granted, that privilege isn't available to everyone, and I understand that. Um, so then, the trick for that is is to find the joy in what it is that you do. You know, um, there should be little kernels. I remember when I was caring for my mother as she was fading, um, we found humor in the most typically uncomfortable things and we would laugh a lot you know um i remember looking in the mirror with her helping her brush her teeth one morning and we started she started laughing and so i did too and i and i said i know what you're laughing at and she says oh really as if how could you possibly know i said you're looking at the two faces in the mirror saying who are those people (laughs) because this isn't what i think of myself and she's like how did you know that i said because i do the same thing and i remember when i was a kid and she was about 45, she said that same thing to me. She said, I look at myself in the mirror and I think, who is that woman? It couldn't possibly be me, I'm young. <laughs> and wow. uh, we had, you know, there were lots of funny little moments like that. And um, what was typically a, an uncomfortable time for both of us, especially her, uh, we did the best we can to, to do as, as much laughing and find, the, and find those little nuggets, you know, that go on and, and you remember forever.
1: Um, right. Sort of, sort of related to that. I I think you said it's the opportunity is not available to everyone, something, something. Um, and okay, let's say that you have a job that's, it's not the greatest, but you're kind of stuck in there because you got some overhead, you got a burn rate and you're not about to leave your position at the law firm as partner to, um, teach, uh, uh, windsurfing or whatever. Um, but you know, there's 168 hours in a week. So whatever you're doing for 40 of them or, or, or 60 of them, if, uh, if the case may be, there's always opportunity to go and find other passions or add, you know, to your dimensions of a person uh, with, with fun stuff to do.
2: I think that's, yeah. So you're, you're into hobbies now, right? So fill, filling your joy with hobbies and, and uh, other activities. And definitely good. It's great if your hobbies can be your job, but if they can't, then figure out a way to incorporate them in there. Um, law firms are tough, you know, because uh, unless, unless you're the boss, um, you're basically a slave, you know, and you work as much as you're told to work, which is hard. I've got some friends who are, who are in um, big, big law firms and in their 20s, I mean, they worked an insane amount. You know, um, I joke that work is actually forced time distance. So I did a lot more work than they've ever done in their lives. But um, they know that that's not really true.
1: <laughs> a lot more physical work, right? Yeah. Um, but here, here comes a problem or a challenge. Um, when you have those differing passions or differing roles in life, how to balance those and to be effective And what I'm talking about is, let's say you have a great career going, you love it, you're fulfilled, you're this or that, but your health sucks because you work a lot, you commute a lot, you sacrifice uh, the pursuit of fitness goals, let's say. Maybe you're a little bit disconnected from family life because of the pressures of your career. Or we could spin it on a 10 and say, okay, maybe you're a 50-year-old dude like us and you have a six-pack and you're a killer surfer, but your kids hate you and you don't have a job right now and you're uh, just hitting the waves every day. And, um, you know, there's a lot of envy and, um, you know, sort of uh, r- you know, ruminating that, boy, I wish I could have it all. And then you see some people that seemingly do, but a lot of times they actually don't. And um, it seems like a big juggling act to try to get all those plates spinning, um, you know, in an effective manner in life.
2: I think for most people, uh, they have to be happy to help other people be happy. Um, and I hope it's most people because it's certainly me um, when I'm not happy i i'm I'm really not interested in in helping other people so much with their happiness or their lives or their goals uh but when I sleep enough and I feel you know energized and stuff then i'm I'm really quite excited to help in any way I can, you know and I think that's there's obviously some people like the surfer who you were describing he was quite happy, but not interested in his kids or family. Um, that might be, you know, the, the extreme, but I think in general, you know, we need to uh, even, you know, the, some of us are martyrs and I know that, you know, they think that it's, you know, I don't, you know, I, uh, my, my happiness is secondary to my kids or my spouse or to, you know, my job or whatever. And the answer is, no, you'll do better work and you'll make them all happier if you're happier too, I think, you know. And, uh, and, and uh, I don't have any scientific evidence to back that up. I just have my own, my own experience. I know that when I'm happiest, um, the people around me are affected by that happiness in a positive way. They're not envious and they don't want to hit me
1: with a stick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think related to that is um, if you think that your career is such the end all it's more important than other people's careers or it's more important than your health or your family um then you're going to be missing out as well because um arguably your health is more important than anything else because you're going to you you're going to d- decline in productivity and tell a lie to yourself that it's not really happening but it is yeah i think that's
2: you yeah, know that that's exactly true. It's your own health and happiness, um, are paramount and they should come first. Um, not to the exclusion of all else, obviously, because there is a great amount of happiness in helping others and bringing happiness to others, but you need to, you know, you need to take care of yourself, at least from my experience in my life, that's when I've been happiest.
1: Um, so what's the secret, Andrew? I mean, you're a, a, a peak performance athlete and even, uh, filling around here in your fifties, you were national champion in the, uh, Xterra triathlon, right? Yes. So you have that fitness level and that commitment to living healthy, fit lifestyle that other people, you know, have that ambition for. What do you see that's in the way of a lot of people just getting that basic level of health and fitness down?
2: Um, there's a couple of things and I'll go back to the, the, the puzzle, the
1: puzzle perspective is, first, it's uh, their vitamins and <laughs> I recommend he has a lot of vitamins in his cupboard listeners. It's un- unbelievable, but it's kind of cool, too, because it's, you know, a constant quest, even for a guy who knows everything. He's tweaking around his supplement regimen. But sorry for interrupting. Go ahead.
2: So the puzzle, first of all, you need to figure out the puzzle and make it a game. Um, I think that life is more interesting when it's a game. And it's one of the things that we talked about with Simon earlier that yeah the, the game aspect that's what makes life fun you know and, and and a game doesn't don't get that confused with making fun of other people or or stepping on other people as part of the game no no it's just about the game within within you making it fun for you right uh, i'm not in a in a competitive world anymore uh when i go to these races and it's very infrequently it's not about beating someone or not beating someone because i'm 50 so if if, if I win, it's not because I'm great. It's because no one good showed up. I, I did a race in Malibu and I came second and I was an hour and 21 minutes and I was being celebrated for that. And I said, I did the race in 88 and I went 111. So it's really hard to be that excited about 121, but I appreciate, you know, but it's there's basically an asterisk. You're pretty good for someone your age as opposed to, you know, 25 years ago when I was just actually pretty good. And, uh, it, it's it's different it, but for now it's for me it's the puzzle and, and like Brad says yeah I've tried a lot of different supplements and when I read more and try and and I feel like I have there's a chance that I can benefit from taking something or let's say I read something about methylation and I'm wondering if maybe I don't do that well or I do do that well so I uh, I, I test and I try out and see what it is and and if I find that I've noticed a difference then I carry on, and if I find that I notice no difference, then I then I stop. And Brad, as he said earlier, noticed a cupboard full of stuff. Um, I throw them out when they're expired, but some of the things that I've tried before uh, didn't work, so those bottles are mostly full.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay.
2: Yeah, it's it's for me, it's a it's 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 a game. I want to see what I can get out of this body still. I want to see how fit I can get, how happy I can be, how much energy I can have, um, how deep I can sleep, how refreshed I can wake up, how much fun I can find in every day, because if I'm tired and grumpy, it's really hard to find the fun in every day. But if I'm refreshed and, and I slept well and I wake up and no matter how much, my, how, how well or badly I sleep, I usually wake up happy. Because I'm sort of like a Labrador. Um, I just sort of wake up and I'm like, oh boy, another day, another day, let's go. This couldn't be better. You know? Until and, further notice. That's right. Wake and, up starting out happy. Yeah. And um, it's, it's the, you know, like I said, it's the puzzle. And uh, I like to figure out what it is that I can do, whether it's uh, how I exercise or how I eat or, or a supplementation regime I take. And um, uh, right now I'm taking a glycine supplement, which is relative to no one other than me. And um, <clears throat> but if you're curious, that's what I'm doing these days. And um, it seems to be helping. I'm sleeping better and I'm waking up more often than not ready to go for the day. And uh, that's what you need to do. The other thing that I notice is people say when I talk to them about either changing their life in in nutritionally or um, or emotionally or changing the way they exercise so that they can get more out of their exercise and their time exercising um, unless they really trust me unless they've come to me and specifically asked for my help because they believe I can help if I'm just I, I I also work with a swim team and I just sort of you know casually hand off you know suggestions to people Um, most of them say I couldn't possibly do that without much of a thought and uh, there's some people who I really sort of get a kick out of, you know, um, and you can tell by looking at some people if they have, you know, if they have s- sort of problems with one food or deficiencies in some sort of area in their life. And I'm, the more I do it, the more obvious these signs are and, and just looking at people. And I was talking to someone who was quite obviously somewhat gluten intolerant. You could tell it because there was just sort of a swollenness to their face and their body and um, they were doing and, and it might not have been gluten, but they were doing something that was an irritant to their systemic inflammation and most likely to their gut, because as we all know, that's where the immune system resides primarily. And so I, I said, if you ever wanna talk about nutrition, you know, uh, I'm, I'm open to it. And the response was, I know I have to stop eating pizza, but it couldn't possibly be worth it. And so my answer was, well, You know, I said, when you look in the mirror, um, what is it that you see? You know, and they say, you know, it's like not necessarily what I want. I'm a little rounder in the face than I want. I say, well, there isn't anything that you can't do with the right incentive. Right. So I said to her, I said, if you thought you were going to die the next time you ate a pizza, would it be that hard to give up? And uh, she just looked at me like I was insane and walked away. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and, and the, the truth is, is that if there is something that you're eating that isn't good for you, then what is it? Is it bad for you? Um, is it neutral? Uh, and if it is bad or neutral, why are you eating it? Why are you only eating things that are good for you? Because when you do that, your whole life gets better. You have no idea the importance that um, happiness and energy and health have on happiness and energy and health in your life. And um, saying that you couldn't possibly give up a food or a food group or one specific item um, to me is, is so ridiculously short-sighted it's almost worthy of, of
1: laughing, you know? Well, this is an important topic and um, you, you talk about solving the puzzle in terms of your own life and trying to be as fit as possible and sleep as well as possible. But, you know, now talking from a coaching perspective, it's like, how do you solve that puzzle of getting to that person and getting that uh, stimulating or inspiring that behavior change? I remember talking to my neighbor when the primal blueprint first came out and I graciously spent a half an hour of my time detailing the, the, the boilerplate about, yeah, we actually recommend getting rid of sugars and grains in the diet and eating the healthy natural foods that humans are adapted to and da, 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 da. And, you know, it was a nice productive conversation. I felt like I was getting somewhere. And at the end, um, the response was, well, yeah, uh, I just can't live without my bread. So I guess not. And I just felt so drained after wasting 30 minutes. Not really. But, you know, if I had a goal that I wanted to motivate and inspire people, which is sort of why we're working so hard doing this primal stuff and and everything else we do as coaches and getting involved with athletes, you know, what's the secret? How does that person uh, embrace it? And uh, Mark's been asked this question many times at at talks, and he says, well, you know, he doesn't even bother trying until that person presents themselves as ready to receive. And there's a lot of power in that statement too. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we put that aside for a moment, okay, if there's a knock on your door and someone says, okay, Andrew, I'm ready to change my life. Hey, that's gravy right there. Mm -hmm. But what about all the nuances in between that, where you might have a positive, have a chance to make an impact, But, what's the secret? What's the puzzle piece?
2: Um, The puzzle piece is figuring out a way to word it that makes it an interesting challenge, or perhaps uh, a reasonable challenge, or a doable challenge to them, right? So, um, figuring out a way that it doesn't feel like this is this huge sacrifice. And the way I usually word it is, you've got the equation upside down. The sacrifice isn't not eating pizza, the sacrifice is eating pizza. You see, that's what you have to. That's 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 the. You're looking at it the wrong way. You think, well, I like that taste for the three seconds that it's in my mouth because looking at you, I can tell you barely chew. You just swallow it. Um, sorry, that was rude.
1: Um, and and I said hard truth, Simon. Let me go back in my notes. The the hard hard truths are the ones where you experience the most personal growth. So I say, yeah, the equation's upside down. You're
2: sacrificing now. You're sacrificing uh, longevity, happiness, uh, energy. Laughter all these things that you know everybody says that they want um, But they think that you know having two desserts is more important than all those things when it comes down to it And the answer is no you're making a huge sacrifice one of my friends is a doctor and uh, he's really really smart and his brother is a uh, Mechanical engineer or chemical engineer anyway another really really smart guy and the brother of my friend is very round and um we were having this conversation about five years ago about food and it's important and he thought that the conversation was ridiculous he says all this stuff that's going about on about food is just a fad and i said i said um i've known you for almost 25 years now and i know that you don't even know what it feels like to feel good so how could you say that and he sort of looked at me and i said so how often do you have headaches And he's like, I never have headaches. And his wife says, you have headaches every day. And I said, how often do you not sleep through the night? And he goes, I sleep like a baby. And she goes, you toss and turn all night and get up and go to the bathroom like six times. And it seemed like every question I asked him, he thought that he was fine. But his wife, as typical with a wife, they'll tell you the truth. Um, and, uh, And I said, so I can understand why you don't think it makes a difference because you don't know what it feels like. I said, but someone like me who was able to get 100% out of his body or certainly 98% out of his body which, by the way, most people don't even know what that's like. Um, I know what it feels like to feel good and so I noticed the difference when I'm not feeling good and when I am feeling good and I tell you, feeling good is way better. I mean, way better. And uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure out a, word, a way to word it to make him interested. Um, about three years after that, he was over at his brother's house, and he saw the um, Primal Blueprint book. And my friend Kyle gave it to him, and he read it. And uh, it hasn't necessarily. And then now it's been another. It's been two years since that happened, <laughs> and it hasn't had a huge effect. But it's had an effect on his wife. So at least when he goes home, um, there's different stuff, you know, being made for dinner and in the cupboards and stuff. Uh, I'm sure that he's not 100% on board. So when he's not, when she's not looking, he does whatever he wants. But it's really hard to get people, like Mark says, who aren't banging on your door and saying, please help me now. Um, it, it's hard to get people. But that's the way I say it is I say you've got the equation upside down. You're truly sacrificing now. You're not sacrificing by giving up these items of food or this thinking process. And, and don't underestimate the importance of the emotional role in, in overall health. Uh, that's, a, that's a huge part, too. So if you're in a, an endless loop of, uh, of self-deprecating talk, that's not necessarily
1: productive either, you know, unless you're a comedian and then it's good. Just material. Yeah. I, I like that idea of framing everything uh, in terms of, well, it's it's instant gratification world mm-hmm. and we're very conditioned and expective of, you know, we want our Amazon Prime delivery the next day and we want everything now. Um, and you have a lot of decisions to make. And if you frame it in that term of what's the sacrifice here, I like to uh, put this on my um, digital entertainment uh, queue. I have all these cool things I want to watch, a list of links that people sent me or shows that I heard were good or a movie. And every night I can sit down and look at that uh, piece of paper and decide to go to bed or to indulge in something that's going to be nicely entertaining and a nice balance from a uh, stressful day of uh, contributing to the economy in your in your way that you do and working hard. Um, but every time there's a trade-off, and boy, I mean, sleep, I prioritize that as number one, so I have a really long list of things I'm supposed to watch, and I haven't watched yet, and that's okay, and maybe someday, you know, I can take a week and get through my whole list, but I think we, we make that upside-down sacrifice all the time. We sacrifice our sleep thinking that we deserve to enjoy this wonderful um, video presentation, when in fact, we deserve even more to have a good night's sleep and all the all that what leads to the next day so look look at
2: this equation um there was a movie called supersize me uh, a dozen years ago or 10 years ago or whatever um and he ate crap for 30 days and after he ta- ate
1: only at mcdonald's in well, case yeah. you haven't heard the movie oh, yeah. I mean, i've under a rock but yeah um, so yeah.
2: he, he o- ate only at mcdonald's and every time he went to order if they said can i supersize that he had to say yes <laughs> okay that th- those are the rules for the documentary Anyway, after 10 days, he had what's called fatty liver, uh, which basically is what you get if you're an alcoholic for 40 years. And my point isn't so much this part. This is my point is for 30 days, he did that. Um, halfway through it, his doctors thought he was going to die if he kept it up. When in fact, they thought it was ridiculous. How could he possibly get sick if eating McDonald's for 30 days at the beginning of it? Halfway through, they say, you're going to die if you don't stop this documentary. Uh, but here's, here's the point that I'm trying to get to, in case you're wondering where I'm going with this, is for one month, he did that. And his uh, hormones and his vitamin levels and his blood tests weren't back to normal for 18 months. So those are the returns for instant gratification to getting, you know, getting your levels back. Figure it's about 18 times because uh, he's your, I think, you know, I don't know him that well, but let's say he's an average chap. So. Um, If you're relatively healthy and you completely fall apart for a month, figure it'll be 18 months before you get it out of your system, before your body heals. So that's a long process. And that's incentive not to really do something that ridiculous. (laughs) You know, at least it is for me. Um, Because your body, yes, it will heal if you get out of the way, because that's how it's designed. That's how we've evolved. That's how we survived, right? Um, The thing is, is every time you put something down your throat, that isn't building, isn't productive to your body. It's interfering with your health, your ability to recover, your ability to deal with illness. Um, you increase your likelihood of getting sick, whether it's the flu or whether it's something disastrous and life changing. So everything you put down your throat has a massive impact on your overall health. And people don't understand that. Well, they pop down their Diet Cokes. They don't understand. that, Well, it's just a Diet Coke. What's the big deal? It's, it's not. You're drinking a lab experiment. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's it's and, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's more important than you could possibly ever imagine, I guess is my point.
1: And there's a, there's more rationalization than you can possibly ever imagine because the body's really good at taking a beating. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. taking a beating and we come back smiling, wake up the next day smiling. Yeah. Um, and I think, <laughs> unfortunately, it leads down that road till one day they're you know they're they're really struggling and then it's uh, it's, it's so sad you know
2: my favorite is when people are 35 or 40 and they're like i can't believe it man all of a sudden and i'm like no it's not all of a sudden you've been poisoning yourself since you were a teenager your body's finally given up or not able to deal with the stuff you're putting in it and so yes you're getting bags under your eyes and you're getting soft around the waist and and the answer is this isn't something that was just an instant onset you hit 40 or 35 or whatever it is and all of a sudden your body's not functioning anymore. You have been destroying your body since you had it and eventually it's so broken that it can't compensate anymore. <laughs> and, and so now you're starting to notice the side effects with wonky hormones and and bad nights of sleep and unnecessary grumpiness and and uh you know for most men in their 40s it starts happening and all of a sudden you're you know, you're used to be a 32 and now you're a 34 and then you're a 36 and then you're a 38 inch waist and you're like, what the heck?
1: Then you like sweats a
2: lot. Yeah. Then you start wearing sweats and track suits and, and, uh, and you think that this is all something that happened when you were 40, but it's not the case. It's your body was young and strong and, and, and built to adapt and built to fight all these things, but you just kept wearing it down and wearing it down by giving it Food that was that had not enough nutrition in it for the demands you were putting on it physically and emotionally, and eventually it just it just couldn't cope anymore.
1: Well, it sounds like me and my manipulative parent role because I'm always giving those uh, choice. Uh, opportunities to, to give feedback to my kids saying, hey, enjoy your youth while you're young and, uh, you know, as you're drinking that dairy milk, um, you know, if you start to get debilitating stomach cramps around the age of 18 or so, like I did in college, I had no idea why, and it was because I had become lactose intolerant, but for the first 18 years of my life, I could pound that stuff every day, and same with your waistline and all those things, like, yep, yeah, enjoy that six-pack now, because it's going to turn into a pony keg by the time you're 30, and then, uh, you know, you get a get a perspective about where, where these where these roads are headed, these habits and these rationalizations. So I've noticed
2: that there's. Uh, I read an article the other day, um, actually a couple of months ago, about two types of uh, milk proteins. Um, there's protein one and protein two, and different cows have different proteins. Most people in North America that have problems digesting milk, um, it's because primarily we use one type or one breed of cow in this country. And if you can find it, and I should know more before I mention this because it's sort of a, a useless information to you, but I can't stop now because I've started. Our research
1: uh, team will look it up. Look it you. up,
2: yeah. But there, but you can get milk from different uh, breed of cow, and um, more often than not, the problem is with the one protein, and not and not just mm. milk in general. Mm. If you really want to eat milk, now the other aspect of this is. You know, why do you want to drink something that was designed to take a vegetarian animal that's born at 40 pounds up to a thousand pounds in in six months? I'm not sure why you want to drink that anyway, but um, that's your business.
1: Hey, this is pretty heavy stuff, Andrew. I appreciate it. We started out talking about life transitions and finding your passion and keeping that going throughout life in any different direction. There's no rules out there. You can change careers. You can recalibrate and have all this opportunity to kind of have a more uh, dynamic life than the old times with the linear career path and then getting into um, solving the puzzle of you know getting those goals to manifest or helping someone else and, and finding out the i guess the right language you call it important to frame the challenge properly and, and turn it upside down i love that so a lot for the listeners to chew on i'd say this is a a double listen episode would you listen to it twice um,
2: really... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I can't imagine listening to me. Um, but uh, hopefully, other people like it more than I would like it.
1: Yeah, I put you at one and a half speed. So I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm easily bored and I love listening to us at fast speed. But some people that at one and a half speed, it kind of gets, you know, a little bit, um, you kind of might list some of the nuances there. And so sometimes I don't recommend that, especially when the hosts are talking fast and dispensing a lot of important information. So thank you, listeners, for listening to the Primal Blueber podcast at so whatever speed you listen to. We really sincerely appreciate it, even if it's at double speed. Thanks, Brad. Have a great day, and don't forget to visit MarksDailyApple.com, PrimalBlueprint.com, the salad dressings, the mayonnaise, there's ways to enhance your life without any sacrifice, getting the right products in, and that could serve as a commercial at the end. Thank you.
0: Hey, Primal Podcast listeners. Have you been wanting and waiting to take your health or your clients to peak levels? Then it's time to enroll in the Primal Blueprint Expert Certification. The Primal Blueprint Expert Certification The very first and surely to be the preeminent Ancestral Health Online Certification Program. From the comfort of your own home, you'll dive deeper into the primal blueprint philosophy with a comprehensive online course and examination process through 13 educational modules. This self-paced course is equivalent to an upper division college course in the health sciences. You'll develop the expertise in primal eating, exercise, and lifestyle practices to help you and your clients achieve breakthroughs. This certification program also gives you access to over $400.00 of multimedia educational materials, ebooks, digital books, and video instruction from Primal Blueprint author Mark Sisson. Graduates are listed online in our certified expert directory to enhance their credibility in the evolutionary health world. Register for the certification program today at PrimalBlueprint.com and gain immediate access to the course materials and educational library.